This is the 50th year that our church has been uh, in operation here in Palm Bay. And this is going to be a great time. It's going to be a year of harvest. It's going to be a year of celebration. It's going to be a year of bountiful blessings. I hope you get ready for it. Get ready to receive it. If 2016 has been a tough year, that year is in the books and it's a new day. Praise God. Hallelujah. Amen. And I am so delighted that you have joined us today on this very special time. I turn your attention to Genesis chapter 1 and verse 1. Genesis chapter 1 and verse 1. In the beginning, God. You may be seated. In the beginning, God. Many stories that are part of our culture have a beginning that cannot be verified. Did George Washington really cut down a cherry tree with a hatchet when he was only six years old and then refused to lie about it when he was confronted by his father? In the original story, when Washington was six years old, he had received a hatchet as a gift and damaged his father's cherry tree. When his father discovered what he had done, he became angry and he confronted him. And young George bravely said, I cannot tell a lie. I did cut it with my hatchet. Washington's father embraced him and rejoiced that his son's honesty was worth more than a thousand trees. Ironically, this iconic story about the value of honesty was invented by one of Washington's first biographers, an itinerant minister and bookseller named Mason Locke Weems. After Washington's death in 1799, people were anxious to learn more about him, and Weems was ready to supply the demand. As he explained to a publisher in January of 1800, Washington, you know, is gone. Millions are gaping to read something about him. My plan, I give his history sufficient minute. I then go on to show that his unparalleled rise and elevation were due to his great virtues. Weems' biographer, The Life of Washington, was first published in 1800 and was an instant bestseller. However, the cherry tree myth did not appear until the book's fifth edition was published in 1806. Decades later, William Holmes McGuffey composed a series of grammar school textbooks that recast the antidote as a children's story. First published in 1836, the books remained in print for nearly a hundred years and sold over 120 million copies. By the 1830s, the cherry tree myth was firmly entrenched in American culture, as the case of Joyce Heath clearly shows. Heath was an elderly enslaved woman that was purchased by P.T. Barnum of the Barnum and Bailey Circus in 19, or rather in 1835. And he made her into a sideshow attraction, billing her as the slave who had raised George Washington. Of course, if anybody would have really figured this out, they would have seen that she would have had to be 161 years old. But Heath had many physical characteristics of extreme old age, most likely due to her lifetime in slavery. The stories that she told about Washington, including the cherry tree myth, were right out of Weems. Heath, 
was credible because she was telling stories that people already knew. As most school children know, the history of Thanksgiving began with pilgrims and Native Americans gathered together to celebrate a successful harvest. The first Thanksgiving was held in the fall of 1621. Somewhere between September 21st and November 11th, there was this three-day feast. Though the current holiday of Thanksgiving was based on the 1621 feast, it did not immediately become an annual celebration or a holiday. Sporadic days of Thanksgiving followed, usually declared locally to give thanks for a specific event, such as the end of a drought or victory in a specific battle or some other harvest. It wasn't until October of 1777 that all 13 colonies celebrated a day of Thanksgiving. The very first national day of Thanksgiving was held in 1789 when President George Washington of the cherry tree fame proclaimed Thursday, November 26, to be a day of public thanksgiving and prayer to especially give thanks for the opportunity to form a new nation and the establishment of a new constitution. Yet even after a national day of thanksgiving was declared in 1789, thanksgiving was not an annual celebration. We owe the modern concept of thanksgiving to a woman named Sarah Josephine Hale. Hale, editor of Gaudi's Ladies' Books and author of the famous Mary Had a Little Lamb nursery rhyme, spent 40 years advocating for a national annual Thanksgiving holiday. And in the years leading up to the Civil War, she saw the holiday as a way to infuse hope and belief in the nation and the Constitution. So when the United States was torn in half during the Civil War and President uh, Abraham Lincoln was searching for a way to bring the nation together, he discussed the matter with Hale. October 3, 1863, Lincoln issued a Thanksgiving proclamation that declared that the last Thursday in November, based on Washington's date, was to be a day of Thanksgiving and praise. For the first time, Thanksgiving became a national annual holiday with a specific date. And for 75 years after Lincoln issued his Thanksgiving proclamation, succeeding presidents honored the tradition and annually issued their own Thanksgiving proclamation, declaring the last Thursday in November as a day of Thanksgiving. However, however, in 1939, President Franklin D. Roosevelt did not. In 1939, the last Thursday of November was going to be November 30th. Retailers complained to FDR that this only left 24 shopping days to Christmas and begged him to push Thanksgiving back one week. It was determined that most people do their Christmas shopping after Thanksgiving and retailers were hoping that with an extra week of shopping, people would buy more. So when FDR announced his Thanksgiving proclamation in 1939, he declared the date of Thanksgiving to be Thursday, November 23rd. The second to last Thursday of the month. This new date for Thanksgiving caused all kinds of confusion. Calendars were now incorrect. Schools that had planned vacations. Tests had to be rescheduled. Thanksgiving, you know, has been and still is a big day for football games. And then we had all kinds of problems with the football games. And political opponents of FDR and many others questioned the president's right. Why? Who does he think he is? To change the holiday. And to stress the breaking of precedent and disregard for tradition. Many believed that changing a cherished holiday just to appease businesses was not a sufficient reason for change. Atlantic City's mayor derogatorily called November 23rd as Franksgiving after Franklin D. Roosevelt. 
23 states followed FDR's change and declared Thanksgiving to be November 23rd. 23 other states disagreed with FDR and kept the traditional date of Thanksgiving for November 30th. Two states, Colorado and Texas, decided to honor both and had two Thanksgivings that year. (laughs) The idea of two Thanksgiving days split some families because some had one week off and some had the other week off. Lincoln had established the Thanksgiving holiday to bring the country together, but the confusion over the date change was tearing America apart. On December 26, 1941, Congress had to get involved. Congress passed a law declaring that Thanksgiving would, on this day and from every day forward, it would occur every year on the fourth Thursday of November. And we haven't even mentioned Christmas yet. Oh, the origin of Christmas ought to be a real hot discussion. How did Christmas get started? The internet has made everybody an expert. And depending on what you read, you either want to hang your fellow Christian from the highest Christmas tree that you can find, or you're accused of being a pagan for celebrating the birth of Christ on the wrong day. Poor brother Mike Easter, you saw him in the video here. He was so excited, he baptized his mother-in-law in in Jesus' name on Christmas Day. And he was so excited, he put a video on the internet of him baptizing his mother-in-law, and somebody called him a pagan! How are you a pagan for baptizing your mother-in-law? Unless you hold her under the water too long or something. (laughs) The problem is research on the internet has made everybody an expert. But your research is only as good as your sources and it's not easy to verify your sources on the internet. Wikipedia which is where everybody now goes to get their information, is not written and established by non-partial historians or educators. It's compiled by internet users. Many with an agenda. So where now people get their most information is also the most unreliable place to get your information, the internet. I think we need to get back to the Bible. Instead of Googling it, we need to Bible it. Somebody says, well, here's what I think. Here's what I think. I think it's all a trick of the enemy to get all Christians fussing and fighting with each other. I think we ought to get back to the Word of God. In the beginning, God. In the beginning, God. I mean, you can try to put everything together and figure it all out, and everybody's got their sources and resources and experts, but I'm going to tell you what, folks, you're not going to get away from the fact that in the beginning, God. In the beginning was God. In the beginning, God created. In the beginning, God was here. I just, I just did a test. I said, you know what? I'm just curious about this. So I just Googled the creation God created. Fact or fiction? The biblical account of God's creation. Fact or fiction? I googled it. Do you, do you know that 9 out of 10 articles, when I googled fact or fiction, God created the earth according to the biblical uh, definition. When I googled, do you know that 9 out of 10 articles said that creation was a myth? Yeah. 9 out of 10. The internet. I say, let's get back to the Bible. Let's get back to the Word of God. 
in 2017, let's get back to what thus saith the Word of God. In the beginning, God. I don't need nine out of ten articles to tell me that God did not create heaven and earth. You know why? I look around today and I see all the evidence that God created heaven and earth. I don't know about George Washington and the cherry tree. I don't know about how Thanksgiving got. Here's what I do know. I know that God is my strength. God is my song. God is everything that I need. He was here in the beginning. He's going to be here in the end. And everything I need is in the word of God. Oh, hallelujah. In the beginning, God. This is what I want to focus on in 2017. Let's start out this year with in the beginning, God. Ladies and gentlemen, God is more than just the beginning of this life. God needs to be the beginning of our year. He needs to be the beginning of our day. He needs to be at the top of our priority list. He needs to be at the top of our New Year's resolution list. Yes, I want to lose weight in 2017, but more than that, I want to be closer to God. In the beginning, God. Yes, in 2017, I want to do more to help others. But more than that, I want to start out each day giving thanks and saying, Lord, I thank you for another day. In the beginning, God. 2017, we want to be better parents. We want to be better spouses. But in the beginning, God. Now I want to give you a little contest here this morning. Imagine that you had won the following prize in a contest. Every morning, your bank would deposit $86,400 in your checking account. I finally got an amen from over here somewhere. <laughs> However, the prize has some rules. Just as any game has rules, here's some of the rules. The first set of rules would be this. Every day, what you didn't spend would be taken away from you. You would not simply be able to transfer the money into another account or something else. You only spent, and what you spent was it. Whatever was left over, gone. Each morning upon awakening, the bank opens your account with another $86,400. Now, that's the first set of rules. Whatever you don't spend, you can't keep. Now, here's the second set of rules. The bank can end the game without warning at any time. It can say it's over, game's over, can close the account, and you'll not receive another one at all. Now, here's my question to you. If this was a reality, what would you personally do? What would you buy? What would you spend your $86,400 on every day? Do you spend it on yourself? Would you spend it on other people? What would you do with it? Well, guess what, folks? That's really not a game. That's reality. Because every day you are given 86,400 seconds. And what you don't spend, you lose. And you can never get tomorrow back. Or yesterday back. You can never go back and regroup. And it can all stop at any moment. 
I don't know about you, but I'm not going to spend any of my 86,400 seconds on negative thinking, trying to hurt or harm or destroy or to worry or to live in fear or in doubt. I don't know about you, but every, every day I get up, I've got 86,400 seconds, and I'm going to start out by saying, this is the day that the Lord hath made. We ought to spend our time glorifying God. We ought to spend our time saying, I will bless the Lord at all times. Come on, folks. Life is too short to live bitter. Life is too short to live in anger. Life is too short to live with regret. Life is too short to live in guilt and remorse. You ought to wake up every day and say, God, I thank you for another year. I thank you for another day. I thank you for another opportunity. It can all end, it can all end at any moment. But I hope to, in the few moments that I have with you this morning, I hope to persuade you to spend this most valuable resource because I would say to you today that 86,400 seconds is more valuable than $86,400. I hope to persuade you to spend this valuable resource on principles that are given to us in the beginning. First of all, John chapter 1 and verse 1. In the beginning was the Word. In the beginning was the Word. That's why you saw in the announcements this morning that we're saying, hey, let's take 2017 and let's get a, a Bible reading chart. Let's read the Bible through in 2017. What about, folks, if we started out 2017 by saying this? Every day, I'm going to get up in the morning and before I check my email, and before I check my Facebook account, hello somebody, before I check my bank account, before I turn on the morning news, in the beginning was the Word. What about if we got up every day and said, before I did anything else, I'm going to get my Bible off of my nightstand, and I'm going to open the Bible, and I'm going to spend a few minutes with God. Because in the beginning, God, what about in 2017, if every day we got up, we said before we did anything else, we were going to get in the Word of God. I'm going to challenge you to do that. As friends and members and guests of First Pentecostal Church, I'm going to challenge you in 2017, every single day, to start out your day in the Word of God. If you'd join me with that, would you raise your hand right now? Look at that. Keep your hand up. Keep your hand up. Keep your hand up. I want all the hell. I want the devils to see that. This right here is going to be a people. We're going to start out every day. In the beginning, God. In the beginning was the Word. Oh, come on. Now lift both hands and give Him some praise right now. 2017 is the year of rejoicing. It is the year of jubilee. In the beginning, God. We're going to start out every day with our mind focused on Jesus. In the beginning was the Word. Let's put the Word first in our year, in our day. More important than anything else is the Word of God. But then John 1.14 says, And the Word was made flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld His glory. The glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. The fleshly manifestation of the Word is the incarnation of Christ. So we need to make the name of Jesus and the worship of Jesus as the very first part of our day. If you have your Bibles, I turn your attention to Genesis chapter 13, verses 3 and 4. I want to tell you a little bit about 
guy by the name of Abraham. Have you ever heard of this fellow, Abraham? Genesis 13 and 3 says, And he went on his journeys from the south even to Bethel, under the place where his tent had been at the beginning. At the beginning. Everybody say, at the beginning. He had to get back to Bethel where his place had been at the beginning. Between Bethel and Hay, unto the place of the altar, which he had made there at the first. You remember when you first came to the Lord? You remember that altar? That place that you had in your life? But, you know, life just gets so busy and family and job and stress and bills and everything that just kind of comes and smothers us out. What about if we got back to that place, that altar that we had, that place of dedication and consecration unto the Lord? And there, Abram called on the name of the Lord. Now, let me give you a little bit of history of this. Abraham had started out walking in faith. We know that. He left Ur, the Chaldeans. He was a, he was a man that was just walking by faith. And he took his family, and he started out in this way. But then famine came, and fear set in, and he got off track. It can happen to any of us. It happened to all of us. He started reacting in the flesh rather than in faith. How many times do each of us do that? We start out in faith and then unexpected circumstances knock us into the realm of fear and, and we don't know exactly what's going to happen and we have to get back to in the beginning God. That's why we're starting out this year with a prayer revival. I want you to be here next Sunday morning. We're, brother and sister uh, Green are going to be with us. And we're going to start out Sunday morning and Sunday night. And then Monday night, Tuesday night, and Wednesday night. We're going to start out each night. Monday night, Tuesday night, Wednesday night. Not this week, but the following week. And we're going to be starting out with prayer from 7 to 7.30. And then we're going to have a service at 7.30. It's not going to be long. We're not going to keep you all night. But we're going to start out this year by saying, Lord, we want to dedicate this year unto you by it being a time of prayer, dedication, and consecration. Folks, there's a lot of things you can spend all your time, your 84,600 seconds on in the day. And at the end of the day, it doesn't matter. But if you'll spend some time in prayer at the beginning of this year, I'm here to tell you that God will bless everything that flows down from it. It's the way God works. But Abraham said, i got to get back to the altar. Now, why should we do that? Why should we put God first? Because, ladies and gentlemen, that's what he does for us. Proverbs chapter 8 and verse 22 through 25 says this. The Lord possessed me in the beginning of his way. Think about that. The Lord possessed me at the beginning of his way. Before his works of old, I was set up from everlasting from the beginning or ever the earth was. Where, when there were no depths, I was brought forth. When there were no fountains abounding with water, before the mountains were settled, before the hills, I was brought forth. Ladies and gentlemen, I was there at the beginning. You were there at the beginning in the mind of God, in the will of God, in the plan of God. We were there at the beginning. It wasn't just in the beginning, God, and then way down here somewhere is you. Ladies and gentlemen, God knew who you were. He designed you before you took your very first breath. God already had a plan and a destiny for your life. 
And I've come to tell you today, it's not to struggle and, and to be in hurt and pain and heartache all of your life. God's got something great for you this year. God's got something good for you. But let's get back to in the beginning, God. In the beginning, God. Well, Abraham, it wasn't just famine. And of course, we read about that. That's what took place in Egypt. It wasn't just fear. But there was also some other things that took place in Abraham's life that got him off track. Why he had to get back to this in the beginning God. Get back to this altar at Bethel. This is one of the things that can kind of sneak up on us that we don't always see coming. And that is the favor of God can cause a distraction. The favor of God. It's not just fear. It's not just famine. But sometimes the favor of God can get us away from in the beginning God. Abraham was blessed in Egypt. They gave him lots of presents. He had gone into Egypt and he was concerned because his wife was very beautiful. And he was concerned, you know, that some of these other kings were going to take his life and take his wife. And he got to Egypt. And in Egypt, they loved him because he had a beautiful wife. And they gave him all kinds of presents. That's why people bless me and give me presents because I have a beautiful wife. It's... Genesis chapter 12, verses 14 through 16 says, And it came to pass that when Abram was come into Egypt, the Egyptians beheld the woman that she was very fair. The princes also of Pharaoh saw her and commanded her before Pharaoh. And the women were taken to Pharaoh's house, and he entreated Abram well for her sake. For her sake, he got a whole bunch of gifts from Pharaoh. Listen to this. Sheep, oxen. He asks his men servants, maid servants, she has camels. This is the way they gave wealth back then. All kinds of cattle. We are so happy that you folks have come here. You have such a beautiful wife. Look what we have for you. And they just bring out a whole bunch of animals. Welcome to Egypt. But you know what, folks? The principle is the same, though. We may not understand that specific application. God can bless you with a good job. God can bless you with a good marriage. God can bless you with a healthy child. You have the favor of God in your life, and then it becomes a distraction. You and I forget where the blessing came from. Oh, that's why you got to back up and say, in the beginning, God. If you've got your mind, if you've got your strength, if you're in a good marriage, if you've got a healthy child or more than one healthy child, if you've got a job, if you've got a roof over your head, if you've got clothes on your back, if you've got food in your stomach, ladies and gentlemen, in the beginning, God, it was all the favor of God. It was all the blessing of God. It all came from God originally. Abraham said, I've been through fear. I've been through favor. I've been through famine. But I've got to get back to the altar. And I say to First Pentecostal Church today, let's get back to the altar. Let's get back to the altar. Let's get back to a place of putting God first and foremost in our life. I hope you'll take some time over the next couple of weeks and dedicate the beginning of this year to a time of fasting and prayer and spiritual consecration. I think it'd be good for some of us to go on a fast from the internet. I think it'd be good for some of us to go on a fast from social media. In fact, I'll do it if anybody else will join me. For the next seven days, let's fast social media. How many of you will do that? Will you raise your hand? Some of you can't hardly do it. It's all you're, you're just, you get, you get. 
you get like a twitch or something. <laughs> Where's my young people at? That's why I need them young people. Millenniums. Seven days. You say, well, pastor, I can't, I can't give up social media, but I can give up food for seven days. What about that? That'd be good, huh? see here's the principle though in fasting things when you create a void in your life you open up the possibility for God to so many times God wants to bless us but we got so much other stuff going on we got this and that and we're worried about that and we got this one and we got all these things and God can't hardly fit in where how I want to bless but where do I get and you got to create gaps so the Spirit of God can come in. you got to create that void so the Word of God... I'm going to tell you what, if you'll get in the Word of God, and if you'll get to praying, God will begin to speak to you and open up your mind. You're going to begin to see things this year like you've never seen before. You're going to realize you're not alone, that you are blessed, and that you are not the tail, but you're the head, and that God has a special anointing upon you and your family, because in the beginning, God... In the beginning, God. This is the new year. This is the new beginning. When Jesus was approached by Nicodemus, who was a Pharisee, and he wanted to know because he knew there was something different about Jesus. And he asked him about the miracles and things that were taking place. Jesus said to Nicodemus, you've got to be born again. You've got to be born again. He said, how am I going to be born again? Am I to enter the second time into my mother's womb? Jesus said, Nicodemus, you must be born of the water and of the Spirit. There's a difference. you got to get back to understanding. You're not just a natural being. You're a spiritual being. I had the uh, opportunity over the last few days to work with uh, a church over in Tampa. Um, that's uh, a church that works with uh, inner city uh, folks. I mean, people write right off the streets downtown Tampa and uh, we were doing a a fireworks tent and we were working with Pastor uh, Ken Stewart and his wife and and uh, he had some volunteers from his church and I got to talking with all of these different people and of course my wife and my sons were there and they got you know exposed to just all the stuff that people get in their life you know on a daily basis and and so we were talking with these people. Some of them had only been in church a couple of months, and some of them were still dealing with addictions of the flesh and sin, and, and they would tell their stories, and, and we would sit and talk, and we would work, and, and we would, it, was, it was just a really neat experience for all of us, and even for our own family. But in the process of doing that, I had some great conversations with my sons, and they were like, they were like, Dad, how do people get their lives so messed up? I said, you know what, guys? It's just, it's just flesh. It's just human nature. If you don't have God to direct you, if you don't have God and the Word of God to be your moral compass, and you just follow the impulses of the flesh, and you didn't have a, a good upbringing, you can make all kinds of mistakes. And, and the problem with all of that is that there's all of those tentacles of those things. You want to do right, but all of those things want to keep pulling you back and pulling you back down. But I'm going to tell you today, I am so excited that we've got a God, hallelujah, who is not just happy with working with humanity from a distance but he's a God that comes down and wraps his arms around us and he will pick you up out of the miry clay 
put you on the rock to stay. I've come to tell you, I don't care how many mistakes you've made. You're not just a bucket of bones. You're not just a carcass of humanity and flesh. But you have a soul and a spirit and a God that desires to save you. To save you and make you a new creature in Christ Jesus. You say, Pastor, how does that happen? I'm going to tell you how it happens. You've got to get back to in the beginning God. Yes, we've all got our ideas. We've all got our opinions. We've all got our philosophies. But ladies and gentlemen, there's one thing we'll never be able to change. In the beginning, God. And I want to say one other thing. In the end, God. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. And when he told Nicodemus, you got to be born again, he's saying you got to get back to in the beginning God. You got to get back to a place of how you were originally created and designed. And that was to be a worshiper of God. You say, how can I do that, Pastor? I've got so many mistakes and things that I've done. And why not start out 2017 by saying, Lord, I want you to give me a clean slate today. I want to start out this year with a clean mind, with a clean heart, with a clean spirit. And I'm going to ask you, Lord, to just come into my heart. I'm going to put you on the throne of my life, and I'm going to make you the top priority of this year. Would you stand to your feet? I feel the Holy Ghost speaking to us right now today. It all starts with just asking Asking him to come into your heart. It's, it just starts with repentance. It starts with saying, Lord, I've tried to do a lot of things on my own, but I'm just going to get back to saying, God, I need to get back to that altar just as your servant Abraham did. There's been some blessings. There's been some famines. There's been some missteps, fear, struggles. But it's still in the beginning, God. It's still the Lord going to have the final say because he had the first say and so for me to get right with God I've got to just come and say Lord dedicate my life to you dedicate this year to you dedicate this day to you on the first day of 2017 I'm so glad you're here today you could have been a lot of other places but you said on this first day of this year, I'm going to be in the house of God. And I'm going to tell you what, I believe God's got a blessing for you. You see, for each of us to be saved, it involves a spiritual process. The Bible describes it as the death, burial, and the resurrection of Christ. When we come to the Lord and we say, God, forgive me of all of my sins, that's the death, that's the the old man, the will of man, of all of us, each of us saying, Lord, not my will, but thy will be done. That does involve a death. It involves us saying, I want you. What's your plan for my life, Lord? I, I've been trying to do things on my own, but what is it that you want for my life? And Lord, whatever that is, I will follow that. I'm going to ask you, Lord, to forgive me of every sin. The Bible says, if you just ask him, he will forgive you. What an amazing access 
to the throne of grace that we have. But that repentance, that forgiveness, that, that death is the beginning. But it's not the end. And then we know from the New Testament, we know from the teachings of Christ and the apostles. We read about it in the New Testament church in the book of Acts. That once there's been a death, there's got to be a burial. That burial is baptism. The Bible says in Romans 6, 4, we are buried with him by baptism into death that we shall arise in newness of life. So when you are baptized in water, in Jesus' name, all of your sins are not now just forgiven, but they're remitted or they're removed. And you come up out of that water a new creature in Christ Jesus. And the Bible said, ye shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost or the Holy Spirit, which, which is a resurrection spirit. That's the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Christ. Repentance, baptism, and receiving the Holy Spirit. Ladies and gentlemen, that's how we're born of the water and of the Spirit. That's what Jesus was telling Nicodemus when he said, you got to be born again. you got to get back to the beginning. Not a new natural birth, but a spiritual birth. Ladies and gentlemen, God has that for every single one of us today. Now I'm going to ask you this question. I'm going to ask you to answer it with your feet. How many of you will say today, Lord, on the first day of 2017, we will get back to in the beginning, God, and you'll make God the first priority of your life. If you answer yes to that, I'm going to ask you to step out of where you're standing and walk to the front of this building and vote with your feet today that God, I'm going to put you first in my life. That's awesome. Thank you so much. Come on. As a church, as a community, as an individual, we're going to come to Christ right now from all over the building. Come down. When you come down to this altar, just find a place to stand. And I want you to just raise your hand if you're comfortable doing that. Because that's a way of just saying, Lord, I surrender. Not my will, but thy will be done. And I'm going to ask you to just lift up your hands all over this building. Say, God, there's been some things I've been worried about, I've been stressed down over. But Lord, this is a new day. This is a new year. This is a new opportunity. Cleanse my heart. Oh, that's beautiful. That's it. I see your hands. God sees your heart. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Cleanse us, Lord. Jesus, yes, Lord. Oh, yes, Jesus. That's it. We're coming back to Bethel, God. We're coming back to Bethel, God. Yes, Lord. Yes, Jesus. Oh, in the name of Jesus. 
of every sin, oh God. Wash us, Lord, with your word. In the name of Jesus. Jesus, yes, Lord. I want more of you, God. Oh, yes, Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Jesus, yes, Lord. this year under you, oh God. At the beginning, God, we will bless you, we will praise you. it. Use your own words this morning. Use your own words this morning. That's it. God, I dedicate my heart and my life to you this year. I put everything under the blood, Lord. I leave it all at this altar. I will start every day worshiping you, Lord, and praising you. I will start every day, Lord, in your word. I'm asking you, God, this year, let my heart and mind be stayed on you. Let me set aside all the cares and stresses of this life that I can get back to that place, Lord, where it was when I was first saved. Renew in us that joy again, oh God. In the name of Jesus Christ. Lord, we're asking you this morning as a church, as we dedicate ourselves to you today, that you would forgive us of every sin and cleanse our heart. We start out, Lord, this year with repentance. Forgive us, God, for our busyness. Forgive us, Lord. 
Jesus. Jesus. I wonder how many of you could build an altar like Abraham did. I wonder right now if you could just build an altar right where you're standing. Would you lift your hands and your voice right now? Would you make this just an altar? An altar of rededication right now? Like it was in the beginning. Bring it back, Lord, like it was in the beginning when we were first saved. Bring back the hunger, Lord. Bring back the desire like it was in the beginning. Yes, Lord. feel compelled this morning to give everybody that's here a special invitation 
that if you've not ever been baptized in Jesus' name, I'd like for you to start out 2017 by being baptized today in the name of Jesus Christ. If you've not been baptized in Jesus' name and you'd like to, I want to invite you to just come up here on the platform. We'll baptize you right now this morning. We'll start out this day, this year, by being baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. And the power of His name will be applied to your life. And the saving grace of His name will be applied to your life. If you'd like to be baptized, feel free to come forward. And uh, our staff will prepare to baptize you. I'd like for us to conclude this morning by lifting up our voices and lifting up our hands and giving the Lord a shout of praise and worship. Oh, yes! Hallelujah! That's it, that's it! We start out this year with praise and worship. I will bless the Lord at all times. Oh, yes, Lord. You are great and greatly to be praised. You are the mighty God and the everlasting Father. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Turn to your neighbor and give him a high five and say, it's going to be a great year. God bless you in Jesus' name.